And if you have one of these red children's Bibles, turn to page 1315. 1315. We're going to hear from the 14th chapter of the letter to the Romans. Welcome those who are weak in faith, but not for the purposes of quarreling over opinions. Some believe in eating anything, while the weak eat only vegetables. Those who eat must not despise those who abstain, and those who abstain must not pass judgment on those who eat, for God has welcomed them. Who are you to pass judgment on servants of another? It is before their own Lord that they stand or fall. And they will be upheld, for the Lord is able to make them stand. Some judge one day to be better than another, while others judge all days to be alike. Let all be fully convinced in their own minds. Those who observe the day, observe it in honor of the Lord. Also those who eat, eat in honor of the Lord, since they give thanks. To God, while those who abstain abstain in honor of the Lord and give thanks to God. We do not live to ourselves, and we do not die to ourselves. If we live, we live to the Lord, and if we die, we die to the Lord. So then, whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. For to this end, Christ died. And lived again, so that he might be Lord of both the dead and the living. Why do you pass judgment on your brother or sister? Or you, why do you despise your brother or sister? For we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. For it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall give praise to God. So then each of us will be accountable to God. Let us therefore no longer pass judgment on one another, but resolve instead never to put a stumbling block or hindrance in the way of another. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. There's a story about Ruth Graham, Billy's wife. She had gone to Germany in the 1970s to set up for an evangelistic crusade over there. She had gone to do some preparatory work and she went to a dinner, or a lunch actually, with some of the pastor's wives in Germany. Now since 1970, she wore what she would have worn in a Southern Baptist church in South Carolina in the 1970s. She had on the same makeup she would have had on in the United Methodist Church in the 1970s. When she sat down to the lunch, the people in that mill were offended by her. The one directly across from her began to cry. She began to cry. She cried right into her beard. (laughs) This confused and disturbed Ruth Graham. She was confused because what was it about her that was so offensive to these women? And, And she was disturbed because what kind of women have beer at lunch? Each judged the other to be wrong based on what each had come to believe was right. 
right in terms of preferences, right in terms of how they understood discipleship, right in terms of what they thought it meant to follow Jesus. Never mind that Jesus never said, you can't wear modern clothes, you can't put on makeup, you're not allowed to have beer at lunch. Jesus had not weighed in on those choices. But the Christian cultures from which those women came had, and they used that as the baseline for which, from which they judged. Some of you know that I don't eat meat, which according to Romans makes me weak. Well, I don't buy that because when I sit down to a meal and someone offers me a big, thick, juicy piece of meat and I say, no, I think I'm pretty strong. I think it takes a man to say no to meat. (laughs) I could easily feel smug about that. But then I've come across this author, Barbara Kingslaver, and she puts me in my place. For years, she and her family did their best to eat only what they or people who lived very close to them could raise or grow. Because I do this not eating meat thing for environmental reasons, I paid attention to what she had to say. The first thing she had to say was those who do this because of chickens and their self-esteem need to know that, that there's no chicken that can pick out its grand chicken in a lineup. No, no chicken knows what the next... You got it? All right. But then the other thing she said that really took root in my heart was, was that she said, you know those vegetarians who eat their bananas every morning? Those bananas you might as well think of as marinated in oil for all the transportation it takes to get them from Costa Rica to your breakfast plate. So I can feel all good about my environmental impact by not eating meat and then I eat my daily banana choices. We make choices. I don't eat meat because for me it's a stewardship issue, stewardship of of my body, stewardship of the earth, stewardship of those persons whose bodies need food and and need some of the food that we're given to our, our livestock. And then every day I eat a banana that comes with an environmental cost. My decision to not eat meat is based on my belief, my faith. But at the same time, and this is real difficult, I have to remember that while I think it's right for me to not eat meat because of my faith, that does not mean it's right for everyone to not eat What I do think is right for everyone, every person of faith, is that everyone who considers himself or herself a disciple of Jesus Christ should seek to make decisions based on what they understand it to mean to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. When we come across a decision, we should think in terms of what it means to follow Jesus in this decision. So I think about things. I think about the decisions I have to make. I ponder them. I pray about them. I read Scripture. I try to come up with what I think is the right conclusion, the one that seems right, right for me. 
And the challenge is to let it be right for me without then thinking it's right for everyone else too. I may want you to reduce your meat intake. Ruth Graham may have wanted those German women to not have beer at lunch, and those German women may have wished Ruth Graham came to them dressed differently. But none of those acts in and of themselves were somehow contrary to the Christian faith. Each one are choices that people make, informed by what they believe, they've come to believe, is faithful in the life of Christ, of what it means to follow Jesus, of what it means to be a servant of another. These are opinions that people have come to that need not be the reason for quarreling. I told you before that a significant part of my faith story was this um, teenage spiritual weekend I went on, this retreat I went on as a teenager. And it, it made a great impact on my life, and so I came home from it. I wanted some of my friends to go and, and have I, what I thought would be a same impact. I was excited. I wanted to share it with them. So I came home, invited them to go, and several took me up on it. And some went and had very similar experiences and were, were similarly charged up at the end of the weekend, and some were very noticeably unimpressed. And at first I was disappointed about my friends who were not impressed, and then I started paying attention to the adults around me. These adults who had gone on an adult version of the same weekend I had come from. And, and I listened to them talk. And to hear them talk, you would think you could not know Jesus. You could not follow Jesus unless you had been to the same retreat they had been to. Unless you had done what they had done, there's no way you could have been a true disciple of Christ, They confused their wonderful experience with thinking it's the only experience to have. Sometimes we become so impressed with our story and, and so committed to our convictions that we stop thinking of Jesus' story and when we stop looking around to see what are His convictions, we, we sometimes think, well, if the Holy Spirit said it to me, then the Holy Spirit must be saying it to everybody. Paul thought the meat avoiders were weak. He thought they were weak because their concern was, what if this meat that I'm about to consume had been dedicated to idols? Well, in Paul's mind, that was weak because what would it matter? If, if an idol is just a figurine made by humans, why would it matter if meat had been dedicated to, a, to it or not? It wouldn't matter at all. He, he thought these people were weak in terms of their faith, in terms of their understanding. But... Even if they were misguided according to his thinking about that meat, if it was going to be a problem for them, why in the world interrupt it? If they're not eating meat was not going to cause a problem in terms of their deep faith in Christ, why make them stop? If you're going to eat meat, eat meat with thankful hearts to the Lord. If you're not going to eat meat, don't eat meat with thankful hearts to the Lord. To the Lord. There's another debate going on, this debate about which day might be the holiest. If some days were holier than others, some seem to think that some days were more important. Some seem to think that every day was important. He said, why, why debate this? If you're given a day to live, be thankful for that day. If you think some days are a little bit holier than the others, then be thankful for those days. Let each day be an opportunity 
follow Christ. Let each day be an opportunity to figure out how to best honor God. How will you honor God with this day or that day which may be in your mind more important? What it all comes down to is how will you honor God? And we all know there's some practices in the faith that are non-negotiable. We're to love God. We're to honor our father and our mother. We're to not kill. We're to not steal. We're to not covet. What does it mean to covet? Are, are we coveting when, when we see something we really want and we obsess over it to the point that's all we can think about? Or is it coveting when we think, oh, it would be nice to have that too? Where's the line? Do not kill. What about self-defense? Where's the line? Even in the big ones, the so-called non-negotiables, we do a fair amount of negotiating, of discussing, clarifying. So we shouldn't be surprised then when it comes down to to what can we eat and, and what can we drink and how can we dress and how can we adorn ourselves, things that Jesus and the Ten Commandments never directly address. We're going to have some debate, some discussion, some disagreement, some some moments where what seems and, and, and is right for me may not be right for you. What do Christians do with that? Now, I know some churches that are quite good at figuring this out. They, they've got a list. These are the do's. These are the don'ts. Mostly don'ts. And then there are other churches that are permissive. Do whatever you want. Just don't hurt anybody. I wonder about the witness of both. If everything is prescribed so that there's no thinking and no discussion, who gets to make those decisions? If it's me, I'm all for it. But you probably wouldn't like that. I I notice you put bacon in everything. (laughs) On the other hand, if everything is permissible... Whatever feels right for you. Where's the community and the accountability that we say is so much a part of what it means to be the body of Christ together? Well, call me Methodist, but I'd like something in between. I'd like us to care enough about our faith in each other to discuss what it means to bring honor to God in your life and in mine. What does it mean to, dis- to honor God? When I have this decision before me, I- I'd like some help in thinking it through. I- I'd like to think it through together. How can I be the best follower of Jesus Christ in this decision? And I know that sounds theoretical, but probably not likely for us actually to spend some time together having this discussion on every decision. I don't expect us to do that on every decision, but I I do think it could work. I think it could work because we could spend enough time having conversations about what it means to follow Jesus that when I'm alone without you and have a decision to make, I could still hear echoing in my mind and in my heart what we talked about when we said this may be what it looks like to follow Jesus. Jesus, that it wouldn't just be me all by myself, but you and me and that conversation we're having, the Holy Spirit is guiding 
helping me understand God's will. Even when we disagree about what God's will might be for you or me. I think the world needs to see that we Christians can disagree about what it means to be about God's will. I think the world needs that witness. I think there's too much of this. If you disagree with me, then you've got some moral failure in your life. I think the world needs to see that Christians can come to the same Scriptures and come to the same time of prayer and come out with some different ideas about how it means to be faithful to Jesus. And the way that happens is when we trust, trust that our brother and sister is actually seeking to follow Jesus too. Even if she wears clothes that we wouldn't wear in Germany in 1975. If we can trust that God has put this brother and sister around me and we are seeking the same wisdom in our hearts and what is right for me, I'm not going to eat meat today, is not necessarily right for you, but you still are following Jesus and seeking to do so, we can show the world how we can come to different places on these matters that are more opinion than doctrine and give them a model for how to disagree faithfully. I think we can do that, and I think we can do it with the echoes of our conversations in our ears. John Wesley, the founder of the Methodist movement, as you might expect, had some deep convictions about a lot of things, including Holy Communion and baptism. He knew what he believed firmly about those things. And yet in a sermon about people who disagreed with what he thought of baptism and Holy Communion, he said this, If thine heart is as mine, if thou lovest God and all mankind, give me your hand. Which is not that different from the ancient teaching. In essentials, unity. In non-essentials, liberty. In all things, charity. When you're convinced that the person with whom you are disagreeing about how to follow Jesus does in fact love God and love neighbor, does in fact seek to be a follower of Jesus Christ and to make that be the paramount discussion in their own hearts about how to follow, then we can get a little less, you can get a little less concerned with the hows of it being confident about the why of it. How do we do this life? We're sorting it out. Why do we make these decisions? Because we're followers of Jesus. If we can move from passing judgment on one another to celebrating that each other is in fact a follower, a disciple, a fellow servant of another, And we can live this life well, together, in light of the one whose judgment actually matters.